hello, hello. <clears throat> Welcome to Cotton in the Rock Ship. I am your host, Lennox Mars Jr. And this is season two, episode 14. And the name of this episode, or the topics that I just want to talk about in this episode, I just want to talk about um, charlatans charlatans in the black community and I didn't want to talk about this topic um, because I feel as though it goes like this the the key to being successful as a black person or any person of color um, and even some white people even if you're poor white in in this society is almost like a, a Janist effect, right? It's a two. It's, it's almost like a. It's a double-sided effect. You have to be aware that these things are operating against you, but you also have to have the mental fortitude to to ignore it because if you let it, um, if you let it permeate your soul, the job of the of racism or the job of that prejudice has been done. And um, and I think that's where we are as a people, especially as as black people. I'm just speaking in this context, especially as black people. And we've allowed racism to permeate our being to the point where we are inundated and we are no longer productive and effective as a people. And um, and I'm not saying that it's not operating. It is operating. It is operating. It is systemic. It's all the things that we say it is, right? And we see it blatantly. However, by the time we're pointing the finger at the blame and 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 showing the world that this has been done to us over and over, see, see, I caught you red-handed. It's like, so what, right? So what? You caught me red-handed. What you're gonna do about it? And then we look at we look at each other and say, "Oh, what are we gonna do about it?" So right, so we uncovered this this action, right? We uncovered it, right? I remember President Obama when he was elected. They say, "Are we still living in a post-racialized society now that we have a black president?" Right? It's all over the New York Times. It's all over the Washington Post. It's, it's everywhere. And in my head, I'm like, these people don't have a brain in their head. Just because you have a figurehead doesn't mean <laughs> it, it, it doesn't mean that these things don't still apply or even it's going to be even worse. Right. Um, but moving forward, why I want to talk about the charlatans in the black community, the charlatans in the black community are, are very easily identified when you have a brain in your head. Right when you are able to think critically and ask the question why, this you can almost pinpoint 50%, just 50% of the charlatans in the black community. And this is what I mean like charlatans, like the race baiters, right? The people who make money off of the system, off of the blood and pain of, of, of the people who died, right? So recently in the at the Grammys, there there was Tamika Mallory. And Tamir Rice's mother, um, she wrote a scathing letter against Tamika Mallory in Black Lives Matter because they are using the name of 
these slain individuals to propagate this uh, movement, right? And I'm all for the sentiment of Black Lives Matter, right? The, the, the statement, I should say, right? Black lives do matter. However, the organization, and, and it's not just them, it's the, the religious priestly class in the African-American community, it's our politicians, whether it be the, the Black National Caucus, whether it be um, even portions of the NAACP, the Democratic Party, <laughs> the Republican Party, uh, there are many different um, entities that play to the sentiment, right? But they each have their own tactic or the way they go about it, right? So, for example, President Trump, when he was being elected um, after 2016, right? He said to the black community, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? <laughs> you know, like... He said, what do you have to lose? Your, your youth are unemployed. Your numbers, your, your unemployment numbers are abysmal. Um, what do you have to lose with me? Right? And so it was like almost a, 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 it was just a Faustian bargain chip, right? Like, what do you have to lose? Because we haven't been getting anything from the Democratic Party. Um, we haven't got anything since Lyndon Baines Johnson. And, 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 on, and quite honestly, I don't believe that we got anything that we hadn't deserved, but whatever. But going back to the race baiters, right? So you have these, um, or even in some manner, I, I I talk about, you know, Al Sharpton and his tactics, right? As an older man, I don't believe that we should be marching anymore. I, I really, truly believe that as black people, we should, this marching thing is, just, it, it's obsolete. We're in the age of technology. We can do way more effective work by galvanizing online, right? I think Reddit posts are more effective than marching, especially in COVID, right? Where our numbers are extremely high. Forms of transmission. Um, but going back to Tamir Rice, I, I want to stay on point. Is because you can see 50% of the people if you just... Um, have a brain in your head and com and ask the question why. When, um, for example, another example, right? In in the African American community, this is this is how it goes. So, uh, a man or woman gets killed by a cop, a police officer, or a vigilante. Um, this magical black man in a suit or a black woman in a suit they come help the family pro bono work they go in there they get all the acclaim they get all of the notoriety they lose the case or they settle for some very very small minute fee probably like 1.5 500,000 this person uh the the cops get let off they may be getting they may have gotten fired if the community didn't tear up the the, the place and um Everything's back to, to status quo, right? We saw that with um, Tamir Rice, right? We saw that with Trayvon Martin when George Zimmerman pretty much got off, Scott Free. Uh, you see that with um, Breonna Taylor, right? Breonna Taylor's people, they, they, um, in, and in some regards, you may see that with George Floyd as well, right? It's just the same, it's cyclical, right? 
and you see these same names that pop up and they lose, right? <laughs> so I remember one of my uh, old college professors, he's also a, a friend of mine, and uh, he said something like, is it me or does does ben, Benjamin Crump really want to win a case? Or like, I'm like, no, you see it. He's just there to get dunked on, right? And I was talking to one of my good friends and I said, he's like Alonzo Mourning, right? He's just there to be on a poster getting dunked on. If we were really serious about change, regardless of race, we would get the best and brightest um, legal team funded by black people or funded by that, uh, funded by black dollars or a pact, a fund where we just go put all our monies together. And we don't even need anybody to, to, to operate this fund. You need, you can get two to three people to operate this fund. It could be a, a very, very, a very simple way to do it, right? We have these, you know, it's not just GoFundMe, but there, there's a lot of fundraising uh, tools um, online, right? And the media is online. We can pay some of these media outlets, Instagrammers, to get the word out that we're collecting donations for this type of, of deal. And this will be the first and the last time we ever ask for donations because once we get the ball rolling with this uh, money, if it's like almost more than 40 million people in the African-American community, if everybody donate a dollar, that's $40 million, you can get the best and the brightest in any region, any area, any town, any <laughs> anywhere in the world to go ahead and and do whatever police municipality filthy. And I bet you this thing would change overnight because money talks. You get the best and brightest, whether it's whoever it is, whoever it is, what law background, you get the best from that community. And you want one of those lawyers that's $500 an hour. Yeah, we can afford it. We want to take this place to the bank. And then you want to juice this municipality for as much settlement money as possible. You want to get letters of apology. You want to, uh, you want, you basically, you basically want to, for lack of a better word, you, you basically want them to be on their knees begging you that this doesn't ever happen again. Right. And this is that, and that's what, this is what lawyers do, right? This is what the judicial thing do, um, does, right? When you, when you have money, you can circumvent a lot of issues and you can it's a lot of pain that you can get out of right so if you were to take the show on the road right so say something that happened with freddie gray right or there's so many names i can name right philando castile my god um we can just set up a pack right and then the first and then after after we donate this money the settlement money because we're going to settle at a high rate or we're going to take these these municipalities the bank we're going to want them to change up the way they police us in our communities. We're going to come in with a, a, a big, a, a well robust way of how this should be governed because we have the money to do so. And the other thing, too, is that once we settle for a, 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 an exorbitant amount of money, we tax the families to put in 10 percent of what they won back into the, the coffers of that legal fee. Right. So it goes back into the pool. So if that happens again, um, we we do it again, right? We repeat process until we, we rinse and repeat this this formula until 
the federal government and these places, these places say, listen, we have to change the way we policy. We, we change our policies and police things because we cannot afford it. We can't stomach this anymore. And it, you'll see the change happen. It'll happen overnight. But what we get in our community is we get pacifists. We get people to say that we need to go out and march. This is unfold. We basically operate in a, in a, in a space um, like poor people. You know, uh, and I'm sorry to say it, we operate in a very poor mindset. And what I mean poor is that power does not move. When you when whenever you I've watched many communities be offended by politicians, by news anchors, and they continue on with the disrespect towards my community to the disrespect towards African-Americans. Right. Unapologetically, they call us the N word. They, they do whatever they want. They. And you see it, right? You see the vitriol that they have against us because we we just don't have any money, and we don't we just we can't we haven't galvanized enough to make to, to really put people to task. We've we've done so in, in bullying with the, the of course marching and, and boycotting and protesting because of what, but boycotting is actually the most effective out of the old strategy. But when I tell you, I've watched news anchors apologize on on air and it was literally a phone call you watch mayors apologize on air when they offend certain communities and it might be someone even on a team like their editor before even before you even get that phone call that person is is being chastised and, and, and having a formal apology on the spot other communities don't play around with disrespect towards their community they don't play around with um any type of racial slurs or or just even the death of one of their own because they take care of it they take care of the 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 media they take care of the uh the legal ramifications they take care of the blowback they make sure that these people um never work again right so they affect it once again it goes back down to economics and and i'm really sorry for the people that say like oh why does he always talk about economics? But um, this is a capitalistic society and everything is broken down into numbers, whether it's the food that we eat, the um, the incarceration weights. There, there's a number attached, even the uh, level of education in public schools. There's a number, there's a dollar amount attached to everything in this country. It, the, it's, it's just broken down to a science. So if we can't affect the dollar or the pocket of, of, of anything, we are just twiddling our thumbs and and i am tired of our our learned individuals right our our, our quote-unquote so-called leaders um and i don't know who appointed these people because if you find out who appointed these people then you you would be really be upset and um and you see it so i i i me personally, when I wanted to talk about um, when I first formulated this uh, podcast, it was pretty much an information dump. It was pretty much a, a, a reflection of some sort. But as I'm an older man and to see younger people or to see that um, adults are telling younger kids to go out in the street, march and, and do, you know, and I, I and I'm all for it. Right. To I think at least, you know. It may seem like I'm hypocritical back march, but yeah, you I think you everyone should experience going to a march at least one time to see how it is, you know, successfully. 
right? But once again, in, in my older podcasts, it's like when I went to these marches, you watch how dangerous it is. Um, because these things are not of our control. Like I said before, there's Antifa. Antifa started a lot of the fights. There's undercover police um, starting fights with the with the protesters, right? Within and these are things within our our, our rights. The right to protest is 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 a part of our rights. It's a part of our constitutional right, right? Freedom of the press. I watch. I watch all these things be skirted on, and um, but we we need to to understand that this is going to continue to happen because we don't have a game plan to make it stop. And the game plan to make it stop is you have to affect somebody's livelihood, which of uh, i.e. money, right? We have to cripple these entities, or we have to fix it to the. We have to make it so that this doesn't happen again. And the way it doesn't happen again is always economics. It's always down to money. Because if you, like I, I tell my friends, right? Someone would rather you punch them in the face, right? Hard as you can, punch them, beat them bloody, than to you take $1,200 um, a month in perpetuity, right? For, or for 30 years, like a mortgage, right? You pay. You have to pay someone out $1,200 a month for 30 to 45 years because you got a verdict for something, right? They they would rather you just punch him in the face. I'd rather I'll take the punch because that $1,200 is going to hurt me for 40 years and that money could be going to something more important. It could be going to edu- child, a child's education. It could go and be going to your retirement, your pension, whatever it is that I would give me the punch. i take the punch. Punch me two times. Um, And that's the truth. So, we have to now we have to now go and and reevaluate these things but we we have we are such we are so deadlocked at the with the people at the top that um they're going to tell you a different narrative because they the charlatans make money off our pain right the charlatans make money off our pain. They make so much money because of the status quo that they are going to tell you it's all right. Like, i.e. pastors, right? Pastors don't want to uproot the status quo. You know why? Because they are now a part of the government each church there's not a church um that doesn't receive any type of tax benefit right all majority of these churches out here especially african-american churches they are non-profit organizations they are 501c3s they are non-profit corporations and they are attached to the teeth of the government so of course they don't want black people to to advance themselves of course, they, they just want you to keep your head down, bowing and praying and turning the other cheek because they don't want to rabble because the moment that they see that this preacher is 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 allowing his congregation to to upset the status quo, you know that um, 
the federal government is going to revoke <laughs> their nonprofit status and, and find some way to put that pastor in hot water. That's just a, it's just it's just blatant. <laughs> you know, they would rather ask for you know you got these pastors asking for uh, you know jets, giving extra, <laughs> give me an extra uh, extra hundred dollars in the offering. So they collecting the offering money and. The churches are, are, are big as, as college campuses, but meanwhile, the, the, the economic destitute of, of our community is just blatant, right? But this person could have four or five Learjets. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just it's just frustrating, right? And um, but the key to it all is to ignore you have to kind of ignore these things in order to be productive. And um and that's what I have to say. Is like you can't let it permeate your faith. But for Black Lives Matter, they have been, once again another person is is Sean King. Like wh- where is the 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 mobilization, right? So you mobilize them to to you mo- you mobilize people to uh, to march, but then there's nothing after that. The whole reason Dr. King ever marched was to get to sit at the table to then talk, discuss the grievances, right? Even with unions, the reason why unions picket, unions picket and 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 beat up scabs because they stopped the means of production, right? A factory can't work without the, its workers, and so. The big man out of the office, the owner's got to come down and say, okay, I'm losing 10000 a day on this. What do you guys want now? So now the union bosses come back and they sit at the table in a collective bargaining agreement. And then they hash out their grievances. And then once everyone gets what they want, they say, all right, guys, we're going to get back to work. Boss man is not so happy, but he, he understands that he's going to be losing far more money because he needs this factory up and running. And people in the in, uh, that who are a part of the union, they've gotten what they wanted, right? They got uh, all their grievances hashed out. Maybe not everything, but the major things, right? You know, it's a safe working environment. We got extra, we got extra money on the check. Um, we got extra benefits on the check and we got, you know, an extra week of vacation. That's enough for my people to not turn on me if I was like the union boss. Like, OK, I got us something for this year and then we're going to work out the rest of this stuff next year with the boss. man, And then we're going to keep it moving. And I don't, I don't really agree with bosses. I don't I like the term boss. But back then they were bosses. <laughs> a boss is a person that, that can call you any time of the day and beat, beat the crap out of you. So these people back then had bosses. Um, but I say this to say that marching is no different than that. Marching is a form of resistance, but marching is to air out your grievances. Nowadays, it's become fashionable. It's, and that's what, um, Mrs. Rice was saying that, you know, when Tamika Mallory is in in the, on the Grammys is that what, what is she doing at the Grammys? What is the revolution doing rubbing shoulders with the elite (laughs) you see what i'm saying since when it's cool that 
that the, the 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 underground, right? Like all the subterranean, the subculture, the underground culture is now hanging out with the uh with the high fashion crew. And I'm using these terms because I want my audience to understand this is how it looks when you have this is like Fred Hampton sitting down going to the president's ball knowing that or 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 <laughs> you know going to a dinner with Jagger Hoover I'm all for the meeting but that invitation is 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 is, is it's it's a uh, it's betrayal because it's not something that is sanctioned out of force. It's not something that we have to sit down at agreement or a bargaining table and, and to hash out to make these things better. Instead, we we we're they're at the Grammys, right? They're at the Grammys. They're celebrities now. Our revolutionaries are celebrities. Meanwhile, people are suffering. And um, and that and that's the problem I have. And I think that's the problem she sees is that, you know, you you get all of these people that say they want their good intention to help. You was better off not helping them at all. One thing I learned from my dad, and you know, I appreciate him so much, is to say that you never cheat poor people, right? You never be af- you never be afraid of your own people. You never cheat poor people. And if you're not in a position to help somebody, don't harm them. But what we're doing now is harming the people that they, you know, like you, you say, you sit down with these families and you say, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And then he, and then you shit on them. I know because I help people on a daily and I tell them, I, this is what I can do for you. And I go up to bat for them every single day. And the things that I can't deliver on, I tell them I can't deliver on, but I, I think I can figure it out and just give me some time. And I deliver on it. Well, if I can't deliver on it, I tell them, yeah, I'm not the man for the job. You're going to have to find somebody else. Because I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's out of my scope. But I'm comfortable enough to, to, to say that. We give our people false hope. We tell them to go march and then you show them. You, we, it's, we, we, we romanticize the pain. That's corny. And then the, the other charlatans are not just the revolutionaries and the pastors. There's Denny's the rappers. The rappers and the athletes. And then these these the, the, the rapper street guys, right? So you, you got the the, the, the the empty cats, right? Uh, I, I know I referred to some of the older guys when I was growing up. They were just empty. I was older than them. At the age of 11, I was I was far way more advanced than some of these guys at 30. Still in. Leagues apart. These guys are hanging out with 16-year-olds. These men are grown men, 35, 40, hanging out with 16-year-olds. Teaching you all the negative things. And we looking up to this because we, we see them. And then when you when you finally get some education in your head, you like, why is this guy? Hanging out with 16-year-olds and he's 35. Does he, he's supposed to have a family? Right? 
then you then you wake up and say, oh, he living in the basement of his mother house. Oh, he not really getting money. He 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 allowing us to get the money because he he allowing us to do stuff that he couldn't do. Half a lot of my friends growing up, the ones that were street end up being street guys, they were far more dangerous individuals than a lot of these OGs that put the guns in their hands. Those guys were chumps. They just was they just lived long enough and we didn't see it then. But a lot of those guys were chumps. Gang banging at you know 25 you start picking you gang banging. All the gang bangers I knew either they started banging since they were like 10, 10, 11, 12. Anything past 16 you was you 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 a chump. Anything past 16 and you was gang banging after 16, get out of here. You you was a punk. You was a poop putt. That's what we call you, a poop putt. You still get slapped. Because we saw that. You you soft. All the all and, and that's and that stands for whether you on the west coast, the east coast, you from the south. No way that you was supposed to be gangbanging after the age of 16. You shouldn't be gangbanging, period. Period. There were some guys that were like, all right, leave that alone. That ain't even for y'all. This lifestyle ain't for y'all. But for the dummies, for the crash dummies or the people who really wanted to gangbang, they were far away younger. And, they, and they're now like 20 years in gangbang. If you started gangbanging after, after 16 or in your 20s or in your 30s, you were corny. You need to go into like a, a the, the trash pile. And we got that. Like, so you see that now. I see hip hop. You see the older guys. Like these guys are managers for rappers. And, they, and they're speaking on. Yo, on. For example. And, and this is this is the God's truth. For example, this is um, Wack 100. And it's funny because there's a dude around that. When I was growing up named Wack. And it's the same. Like this dude named Wack 100. Every time he opened his mouth as an older, elder statesman, he's over the age of 50, so I'm sure he has grandkids and he has big children that are my age. And everything out of his mouth is on Pyru, it's on this, it's on that. And you could just, he's bleeding corniness, just ble- oozing corniness. I'm like, this is what the youth look up to. If I didn't know any better... If I had a son that was, and they see that and they think that's cool, you look at him like, man, that, oh God, right? So that's why I'm okay. And and, and this is the, the charlatans I, I, I tell you about. The people who really care for our community and go up to bat, there is a, a there is a, um, for example, Ice Cube. Of course, he, you know, he started the whole, you know, the gangster rap trend. So, you know, that is an asterisk on his belt. But however, he was able to hire our own and he's very redeemable. When he started talking about the money and what are you what are you getting for reparations? There was a slew of of educated black people from the top. There was a slew of of educated, you know, particularly black women at the top. But you see, um, they literally silenced him from asking for asking for the things that our community need for even asking 
and even being dismissed by the, the, the president-elect because it's like, yo, we're not doing that. And now, when you fast forward on reparations, they said they're going to do a study on whether African-Americans need reparations. So when whenever someone says they need a study, right, or they need, or they're, they're, they're going to evaluate it, they're going to do a study that's going to be like millions of dollars. None of that, that money is going to trickle down to anybody that needs it. It's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be a lot of cronyism. There's a lot of nepotism. And then the end result is that we're not going to receive anything, but there was going to be millions of dollars pushed into the study. And I'm using air quotes to study of it. And what in, in the political realm, this is buying time. The longer you can distance yourself from uh, a, uh, a topic that you can't give an answer to, the better you are because you're extending it. You're buying time. That's like your mother telling you, you ask your mom, right? I remember when I was younger, right? I asked my mother, um, yo, I, I wanted earrings, right? This was at the time Dipset. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, yo, I needed earrings, right? And I was like, yo, I want earrings. And I, I really wanted them back because this was cool, right? And I was like, Ma, can I have the earrings? She was like, nah, when you're 16. She's like, when you're 16, you can get whatever you want. Your 16th birthday, you can get it. My probably was like 14, so I waited. So my 16th birthday, I asked her, can I get them? Right? She's like, uh, she stalled me out. So I popped up with them on. I popped up with one, and then I think the next month, I couldn't do one. I had to do the two, right? And my dad didn't really say nothing, but I know he was hot because he was West City. And then my mom was heated. She was like, I didn't tell you could do that. I'm like, you told me when I was 16, right? So now it's better for me to ask for forgiveness than to ask for actually get a, get a response, right? To ask, right? It's better for me to ask for forgiveness. So I'm like, oh, I, I know you was going to be mad. She's like, oh, you end up getting two? She got over it anyway. But what she was doing was basically stalling me out, right? And I do the same thing to my child too, right? He wants cookies and he didn't eat food. I'm like, okay, all right, girl, you sure you don't? I'm going to stall him out. Food, I'm going to just keep saying, yo, you don't want food? I'm going to stall him out. I'm going to give him a healthy option. Or I'm going to distract him a little bit until we get back to this food. And that's what they do to us. Treat us like children. Now, and I said this in a previous um podcast before is that the moment that we come to our senses and come to come into our own where we don't want anything anymore from anybody we don't want anything from from the powers that be whether it's the grammys or even when we start to oust our own charlatans our own um traitor traitorous people right then they're going to start giving us the offerings right because even when you talk about unions, they start to give you concessions, right? When Whenever a union wants to take form and take shape, management has a, a tactic, right? And it is no different than, and it's capitalism. It, it's, there's a tactic where they start to give you rewards and benefits for, for you not taking them to the hill, right? So... For even for Tamika Mallory, I'm sure her heart isn't. She might be a shelter, she might not be. However, it looks bad, and she wasn't supposed to take the bait. And the Grammys for her was probably the bait to say, like, listen, we got one of your revolutionaries in the pocket. She fell for it. 
and that's concessions. They'll give you a little bit of concession to say, here, we give you a little bit of this and see if you take the bait. Because they know that if you demand or you start to take what you deserve, it'll, they're going to be hurt even further. But we really need to reevaluate this. But I want my audience to understand that if you are a person of color or you're a poor white, we you can't focus on the uh, the race baby because every I, I I even started stop going on Facebook for certain things because it's always something that agitates that looks to disrupt my spirit about racism or race baiting. Like there's even something new about um, Sharon Osbourne from The View, and I I don't even want to talk about that, but it. it they, they, we're back to status quo, right? So this is how the great distraction happens. This is what media, and media is to blame as well too. They're going to continue to pump us with subservient messages, divisive messages, because one, it sells and it's provocative, and two, it knocks you off track for what really matters. Taking care of your family, getting to the money, getting to your economic freedom, because there's a lot of smoking mirrors around. The United States government has pumped trillions of dollars into the economy, into subsidies, into stimulus um, that is going to there's going to be an effect. Right. The money is going to be inflated. It's going to be a lot more. It's going to take a lot more dollars to pay for mundane things. So you're going to see a lamp, lamp at Bed Bath and Beyond and it's going to be a thousand dollars. That's that's inflation. Right. Gas prices already started raising, so there's a lot of things that are that is happening in real time that I'm trying to catch up on. But um, but for my audience, and I'm going to leave you here, is that we have to identify the charlatans because they are the ones who are propagating or fueling the fire because they need themselves in the limelight because that's how they receive their money, that's how they milk the system because they make themselves a player or a cog in the wheel so that the system can now pay them off for them to pacify us. That's what their job is, to pacify us and then get paid a check. So, i.e. your pastor, i.e. a lot of those BLM members, a lot of, uh, you may see Al Sharpton back in the day when he was just popping up everywhere and he was saying, oh, no, no, there's nothing to see here, folks. Those are the type of people that you really have to scrutinize because you're like, oh, no, he was always for us. Are they really right? That lawyer that always comes to everyone's whether he's in Florida. What, what is a Florida from New York State going down to Florida, right? Do you even know the jurisdiction for Florida, right? You're supposed to be teaming up. You're supposed to be teaming up with the heavy hitters from down to Florida to say like, this is the best guy here. I'm just here for support, right? But how you, you know, like that's why I'm saying. We have to be weary of this because they can be. I look at these people like Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning was a good player, but when it came to getting, he wasn't the best. He just kept getting dunked on. You just dare to be in the poster to lose. We don't need losers. We really want to stop this from happening to some because it could be me, right? It could be my cousins. It could be someone that looked like me. It could be a guy from LA. It could be a guy from Ohio. It could be a black man from New Jersey. It could be any one of us at any time, and that's the. That's the scary part of this this monster is that it pick and chooses to stay. Like there is no, 
normalcy for African-Americans. We haven't had any normalcy, but it's now gotten to the point where it has, um, it, it, it's random. It, 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 there is even no, no, um, and that was what's disturbing with George Floyd. It was, there is no, there's no conscience, right? You know, we have rules, right? This is a nation of laws. When you see that man die for eight minutes with it being kneeled on, it's, it's and I'm sure if it wasn't on camera, he would have gotten off. And just think about that has happened multiple times. Historically, the North riots, the LA riots, the Watts riots, these all these things always started because of bad policing. And instead of having educated people, we have our griots. Who may some of them are doing a good job, but where in where in the people do your entertain your entertainment class, your your entertainment, your sports class, your warrior class make the decisions? You know, like rarely do somebody ever come out of the warrior class and, and then you know and then be able to 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 hang with the the elite, not not the elite, but the thinkers, right? The philosophers, the people who lead the leadership. That's few and that's the generals. That's few and far between. You gotta have some experience for that. So that's what I'm saying is that you see that now. You see how how the Democratic Party embraced Megan the Stallion and Cardi B as the the, the the talkers for Black people. How so? When we have so many bright women, right? It's not even about women. We have so many astute PhD Black women are the most educated. <laughs> um, demographic in America, but the, the spokespeople now are Megan The Stallion and Cardi B. So that tells you something. We have so many. We have more. We have more educated black men today than we had in any period of time in, in American history, right? So we, we, we're talking about the, the Reconstruction era. We're talking about the 1900s. We, we're talking about a lot of eras where there are a lot of, of heavy-hitting, smart black men throughout the annals of time. And we got rappers, Little Wayne and, and Ja Rule and, and so many different, you know, like speaking on, on African-American issues when we, when we have so many great ones now today. Be weary of it. But this is Cotton in the Rocket Ship, and I hope you enjoyed. Peace. <laughs>